Hey friends, welcome back to the Hidden Jewels podcast. I'm Karna Atkinson, and today with my co-host Roxanne Parks, we are joined by Judy Russell. She is wife to Pastor Bob Russell from Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky. And together they have had an incredibly fruitful ministry, not only in their church, but in their family. I think you're going to enjoy all of the practical wisdom that Judy shares with us today. Let's get to it. This is Judy Russell. She's a friend of a friend, and our friend Debbie Robbins says she is not only a wonderful pastor's wife for 48,000 years, but really, how many years was it, Judy? We'll be married 58 years in May, so 58 years, I guess you could say. 58 years as a pastor's wife, you've got something to say. And then, because I'm sure Judy will not say this, I'll go ahead at the at this introduction part and say, uh, our mutual friend said that Judy's a quiet riot. So she she comes off as maybe quieter, but that there's a big old sassy pants inside of Judy. So <laughs> Judy, I don't know if you're going to show us the sassy pants April Fool's prankster today, but we're here actually to talk about the heart of God and his faithfulness. Well, yes. thank you. Okay, yeah. you. So We've been just chatting a little bit beforehand, and I was just struck by what a fruitful ministry you and your husband have had. Um, You had mentioned that when you started your ministry, there were about 125 people at the church uh, back in 1966. Is that what you said? Yeah. And then when he retired, there were over 18,000 people in your church. I can't even wrap my head around that. And so I know that you have so much wisdom to offer us, uh, not only as a pastor's wife um, and an author, you just, I can't wait to talk about your book that just came out last year, but also just a woman of God and all the lessons that God has uh, taught you through these years. So um, Judy, where would you like to start? Would you like to start about marrying your husband, how all that came about? Um, sure. Um, I was never going to marry a preacher. I, I just, I just had no, no idea about it at all. Nothing, even no dreaming, no nothing. Uh, <laughs> partly because I grew up in a small community and a small church, and I saw how church people treated their pastor, hmm. and I just did not want any part of that. And um, so I was going to be a concert pianist, and I majored in classical piano, and Bob and I met at Cincinnati Bible College, um, and we dated for three and a half years, and married, and uh, we were, he pastored a small church just outside of, in Monterey, Ohio, and then um, he came to Louisville a year, we, exactly on our first anniversary, we were moving to Louisville. <laughs> And um, we came and we were in multiple building programs for year, all every year seemed like there was something going on. Um, but the, but um, Baba is just very much a Bible teacher, preacher. And um, I think that in itself uh, drew people to the church because they wanted to hear God's word. Mm-hmm. Uh, it must be pretty true because it grew and grew. Yeah. Um, he is still very highly respected and uh, loved and, and asked to speak all the time. So 
He's not mm-hmm. really retired. We haven't really retired. <laughs> um, you know what? I think some of us who live kingdom minded, we don't think we're supposed to retire till we die because our days are assigned set for such a time as this. And I love that about Bob's heart and even your heart, Judy. I mean, if you wrote a book, um, what, six, eight months ago, that's all you and I talked about. That's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Well, it took me a while to read, to get it done. And I was never going to write a book. I just, I had a lot of people ask me and I just said, no, I didn't because Bob has written a number of books and I, I know the, hard work and the agony sometimes going through all that. And um, finally, one day I get a phone call. We were actually getting ready to move here to our condo. I was six going on seven years ago. And I get a phone call from a friend and she said, "Um, I'm going, uh, you are going to write a book and I'm going to help you. And I thought, "Uh, there's no way I can't write this book. I don't have time. We're moving, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, so about six or eight months later, I did begin to talk about it and think about it. And it, it was not necessarily an easy task. And um, I had um, I decided to take the Jerry Jenkins Writers Guild, uh, join his group. Mm-hmm. And so we had classes off and on. And um, it was interesting because Jerry's daughter-in-law worked for me at our bookstore at church because I'd started the bookstore and uh, I, I loved books but I didn't want to write one <laughs> and, um, so she was very helpful to me in starting the bookstore and worked for us and so I sent Jerry Jenkins a note thinking wonder if he even remembered you know being in Louisville <laughs> um, and he he writes me back immediately and he says absolutely I remember the day we were at your house and we watched this baseball game and I don't even know who it was now. And the guy had broken all kinds of records and everything. And he names this off. And I'm like, well, I guess he does remember me. (laughs) (laughs) But um, he he said, get your hands on everything you possibly can to read about your subject, hospitality and entertaining. And it was, and I had, I have a good friend, Liz Higgs. I don't know if you've read any of her materials, but she's a great author and speaker. And um, um, she said the same thing, get, read everything you possibly can. Uh, So it took me, I I did, I read like about 40 books. Some were awful and some were, you know, very helpful. It triggered stories and memories and all of a sudden, I could come up with these things. Oh, yes, I can use, I could do that one, and I could do that one. So that's kind of how that all came about. So, Judy, tell the listeners the name of your book and why you chose the title and why you chose that topic. Okay. The book is entitled Elbows on the Table. And Is it available on Amazon? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, I don't know, several places like that. Um, but we have entertained. I don't know if you you would ever notice. Uh, I, I I had wanted to do the elbows on the table title from the very beginning, mm-hmm. and I had asked some people, and they just kind of, oh no, that's more like manners. I said no, it's not have anything to do with manners. It's about people listening and talking and getting you know comfortable around your table, and that was what I was wanting for. If you said uh, you know if your table and you've been sitting there and talking. 
rather than say, okay, let's get up and go to the other room uh, where it's more comfortable. It's not more comfortable in there because then everything stops. Mm-hmm. All your conversations stop. Women go over here and men go over there. And so we just stay at the table. But all of a sudden you start seeing people go, put their yeah. elbows on the table. Um, I thought that is just perfect. That's what I want. It was so people would feel comfortable around your home, but also to encourage young girls to um, open their door of their home and have people in just for fun. And do, you know, and so it's full of stuff about, um, you know, using paper plates and just having, you know, simple meals and that kind of thing. Oh, that's great. I'm I'm about to order it right now. I love that. <laughs> Um, you know, that you just leaned in when you were demonstrating what happens when people put their elbows on the table, we lean into one another right around the yeah. table. And I, I have never thought about that, that when we go to the living room, the conversation kind of stops and you're absolutely right. I love when you said it splits up at least. Yeah. Yeah. I have never thought of that, but you said that. And all of a sudden I had all these memories pop into my head about, um, where the best conversations in my home have been around the table and that they do stop when we leave that room. And wow, that's so powerful. So powerful. And and even family, if you just all of a sudden, you know, with your children, anybody, um, and it, well, you're, I don't know how old your children are, Karen, but um, we've got teenagers and college kids and older now, but yeah. um, it is interesting how they can get into conversations about the Bible, about politics, about sports, and they just go on and on and on and on. And I love it seeing the younger people um, get involved. And I don't know that that would have ever happened if we'd have just eaten and gotten up and left, which is way a lot of people do. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. So do you have some quick tips um, about how to entertain well in this this culture because um, or easily? Because I think sometimes um, women that are even younger than me, I feel like I did have a lot of discipleship in this area, but I'm not sure that it's been passed down well uh, to the generation <laughs> below me. Um, because I know as a pastor's wife, I noticed um, that I was one of the few people in my church um, through the years that was opening my home. And I think sometimes people get very um, nervous about having everything perfect or, um, you know, having some big elaborate spread or something like that. So do you have any tips for that? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and part of that is, big, is you know, it, it, if whenever you decide to do something, if it's going to be really elaborate, it takes a lot of time and a lot of work. And mm-hmm. you may not have that. And and we don't. When I was in Bob and I were first married and we were entertaining, we didn't have Pinterest yeah. or, you know, <laughs> to go back or even the Internet to look up recipes and everything. You just, you know, you had to hunt and choose. Yeah. But um, over the years, um, I mean, we have inter- we have entertained over a thousand preachers who put their elbows on our table. Wow! Um, and that's not family or friends or other people that have come in. 
Um, but this is like Bob's mentoring group that he has. And so um, what I decided to do was, first of all, is to there's stores now that have the neatest um, plastic paper plate things. So, you know, if you want it to be comfortable and casual and you be able to spend time with people, let's do that. And mm -hmm. um, we have a party store then, and they have like a hard plastic uh, plate. I mean, you could put it in the dishwasher, I guess, and save it for a few times, but I don't, I just pitch them. But um, I mean, and they look beautiful and guys particularly don't really care It's more of the women, but um, you know, we entertain small groups. And if we have a group of six or eight people, uh, I will do um, China, mm -hmm. but I, more likely now to do more everyday China kind of thing, simple rather than elaborate stuff, because it takes so much time and your energy. And then when you have company, all of a sudden you're worn out. You have no fun. It's like Christmas even or Thanksgiving, you know. Yeah. yeah. But I would suggest for people to look, you know, find the find the best caterer in your city. Um, a lot of places have delis or that cook food, and you can get that, which makes it easier. And for you, and uh, it doesn't have to be fancy. It can. One thing that I do is that I like to have candles out, and I have these LED candles all through our house, and they come on at a certain time every day. I'm thinking, why do I do it for company? I want to do it for myself too. <laughs> so I love okay. coming home in the evening, and all of a sudden, all these candles are on when we walk in the house. But just little things like that, or a greeting at the front door written out, or um, and it doesn't have to be elaborate, but it can be simple. It could be soup and grilled cheese sandwiches um, yeah. or pizza, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, order pizza. And just people, it's more the person that is important, the person in that chair, rather than what's on the table or what you're serving, really. But mm. I love that. I know my mom gave me some advice once um, to invite people over at the last minute because their oh, expectations will not be for much, you know, and and I have found that to be so lovely. Um, those are some of the best evenings that we have is when they're spur of the moment. And um, sometimes I just am like, you know, I've got some soup on and we've got plenty. Come on over, you know, and. Mm -hmm. And those are the best times. So I love that. During COVID, we had some of our neighbors, We they would come over and we'd play games. We'd say, oh, forget this mass business, you know? Yeah. And, you know, thought, okay, we could be getting in trouble, I guess, if you had, you know, certain people around. But it was fun and we had a great time. I almost kind of miss that now because we everybody's busy and out and about and um not just you know available to just pop in <laughs> yeah we have we've gone back to our busy lives I was hoping that wouldn't happen <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah as a pastor's wife and I know you mentioned to us that you had done well you had really started a lot of the ministries at your church um, over the years and a special interest of mine is women's ministry and so I just wondered uh, well Roxanne and I both that's what we do that's our heart and so I wondered if you had any lessons that you have learned through the years about women's ministry, either things to look out for or ways to make it really impactful and successful. Well, um, 
women love to get together and party, <laughs> so to speak. Um, and I came up with the idea of having, uh, I called it spring fling. And we started out with like about 30 ladies. And I went, we would go once a year, the first weekend in March, because you always have to look and see, okay, what kind of sports games are on? It's not spring break, you know, and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So that daddy can stay home with the kids. And um, so um, we called it spring fling and we would go to um, like a state park and spend the night. Mm-hmm. Well, it was for girls to get away. Um, they were so excited. And that thing grew till we had over 500 over the years. There were like 500 women coming and we, you know, we ended up over in, over time that we had to go to hotels. And I didn't want to go more than 100 miles away. So we'd been to Indianapolis, Cincinnati, Lexington, Kentucky. Um, and it got to the point that, you know, we couldn't handle it anymore. And so they stopped it. But um, I, I started that and oversaw the doing of all of that until Bob retired. And then uh, I retired from all that, too. But I would connect with a lot of women. Um, that would come and speak that were speaking on the speaking circuit, Christian women. And I love, you know, I grew to know a number of ladies um, and would connect with them and talk with them over the years and send notes and cards. And that was a lot of fun. That was interesting. And people like you were, you were not afraid to ask those people. Well, no, you know, just, you can make a connection, open up a book and find out where they're from and start making calls or whatever. But, um, that that in itself was a really inspiration to me because that you know I could I could meet people and introduce them to people and then the women sitting there in the room were having a blast. <laughs> so were the were these events? Uh, you said they spent one night, an evening, and a day, or well, it was like it would start. Um, um, they would come in that afternoon, like a Friday afternoon. And we would have a session that Friday night, and then we'd have a couple sessions on Saturday morning. And then at, by noon time, they were leaving. Um, it's hard to be away from children very long. The daddies are, <laughs> they're not, and they, they don't have time. But the thing is that the girls could go, let's say we went to Indianapolis, which is two hours away, um, a little over 100 miles. And um, they could sit, they could shop, they could go early and shop. Um, and then they go to the, you know, we'd eat to have dinner out, uh, and then they would, uh, we didn't serve, di- serve them meals, the program, and that was it. But then they would, some of them stay up all night, um, some of them half the night, and they come in, you know, like, and they're almost in their pajamas. Um, and then the next day, they, you know, the, that, that morning, then they would um, go, go to lunch when it was over and head home or they would spend the whole afternoon in the city and shop and do different things. Um, so it was a break. It was a, a two day break for these ladies. Um, mm-hmm. And it was fun. It was work. It was hard work getting all that together. And uh, I, I did learn, I did come up with a little trick and that was that I had three ladies on my committee, my, counting myself. I had a lady that would study under me for two years. 
I'm, I mean, these are terms you would use in business, whatever, but would be with me for two years. And her job would be um, to, you know, to make sure that everything was in order at the hotels or whatever. And then I had a third lady and she would come on um, after that lady. So the two women working with me on the program would eventually be doing the main job. They would be the main chairperson. I was like the overseer or the leader or whatever, um, but they were in charge. And I felt that was important that they would be the ones on stage um, introducing things. And then I would be the one that would take care of the speaker and introduce them. But it saved a lot of headache for me and a lot of, lot of extra work. Um, so anyway, it's good because if you have them studying with you and working with you, then they eventually, they know what's going on. They don't have to start all over. Judy, I was, you know, I just noticed this theme that um, your heart has been to gather and foster relationship mm-hmm. for people. And um, whether it be around your table or for the women that you're ministering to in the church and outside of the church, I'm sure. Um, where did that passion come from? Well, now that's a question I've never been asked before. <laughs> well, I grew up, I grew up across the street from the church. Mm. Um, and my dad was an elder and he would taught Sunday school and um, led with singing. My mother was a homemaker and we had growing up, we were, we always had company. There was always somebody coming and going, a pastor, maybe by himself. He might've been a single guy that he would, you know, be there for dinner. Um, he would just pop in and my mother would say, can you stay? You know, mm-hmm. and it was very simple meals sometimes, you know, it might be a bologna sandwich and chips, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, um, you know, they were, I guess probably I just grew up with some of that. Uh, having people in and my dad had a rose garden and um there in the summertime there were always people coming to see his rose garden because he had like over 300 roses um Um, and that's kind of rare in itself what have you seen really be the fruit of those relationships i know um we see in scripture that jesus was always with people, right? And very often around the table. And so um, have you found that to be true, that that the Lord meets us there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, how many times around the table, you know, people bear, bear their soul, so to speak. Yeah. Um, um, some, you know, you, most of the time it's, you know, fun and games, so to speak. Um, but Sometimes it's just, you know, people are really sad and discouraged and, and, you know, Bob will say something about, okay, let's pray about this. And, mm-hmm. um, and there've been some fun things and some surprises. I remember one year, the, one of his men, he has this mentoring, mentoring retreats of these preachers and their eight guys come. Um, and he's got like over a hundred on a waiting list still, mm-hmm. uh, come to these things but um the the young man was um had a a diamond ring in his pocket and he brought it out at the dinner table we had that night and to show us because he was gonna ask the girl to marry him when she picked him up the airport the next day (laughs) Uh so you know you you never know what's gonna happen 
Yeah. How fun. Did you say Bob does men's retreats as well and he takes eight at a time? He has got a staff that works with him and um, guys will um, sign, they will go online to bobrussell.org and uh, sign up and um, they, they come on a Monday and leave on a Thursday. They're here from Monday to Thursday and they stay. We have, our church has a um, retreat center that um, they go to and it's a nice hotel and very quiet and beautiful place. They have great food. Um, and so they meet there and um, on Wednesday nights, they always come to our house. And the guys love that to come to our house on Wednesday nights. But um, Bob has been, he wanted to do something. Uh, so it's a time of refreshing is what he calls it. And so many preachers are in need of encouragement and um, just inspiration and a time of refreshing. And um, so this is what that's for. And we've had very, it's been very, very successful. And there, like I said, there's still like over a hundred guys still on the waiting list. And Bob's about to maybe retire from that and help rather than be in charge. Since our podcast is all about God's faithfulness in our life as a as a young woman and a young wife and now a mom and now a great grandma, what is one thing that you're so glad that God was faithful in and through? I mean, I feel like God has been faithful to us forever. I mean, for me uh, and my husband both and our family, for that matter. Um because we've had some real trauma. We had our grand, our grandson, our first grandson um, in 21 came down with COVID and near, was at the point of death. Um, he was in sed under sedation for uh, basically 77 days. And mm. he is still get, getting therapy and he's doing great. He's doing mm. great, but God had, had him... You know, God needed him for something, and um, he stayed. You know, he he was able to come through all that, and a lot of people didn't. Mm -hmm. um, but we we had watched a miracle that year, and we were still watching a miracle happen. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I've seen that several times with people, with friends, with our family. But I would say that's the most outstanding um, that I've seen God's faithfulness. I mean, I've been, I had a stroke um, 28 years ago. The doctor kind of said, you know, hey, you'll have uh, maybe 12 good years. Well, I'm still around. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, I think that's God's being faithful there. And, yeah. Uh, Instead of pinpointing a story of his faithfulness, I'd love for the listener to hear when you said he's just always been faithful. It's over everything, not just one story or another story. And sometimes I think we can highlight the story of your grandson or your stroke. But I love your heart to say, but he was always faithful mm -hmm. and he's been faithful through your whole life. I, I know sometimes when we don't see God in the sickness or in the moment, you know, maybe people question his faithfulness. And I love your testimony to say, oh, well, he's just always been faithful. Like I could tell you a thing or two, but he's always been faithful. And I really wanted to highlight that thought for the listener because there he is faithful in a story here and there. 
but he he always is faithful. I mean, the other day, and I was kind of stressed out over a computer, and I'd see this red cardinal on the top of my computer out the window. I mean, it's outside the window, but in the view of the computer, it's right above it. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, you know, if he can take care of the least, the little bird, mm-hmm. his faithfulness is all the time. Absolutely, yes, yes. Mm, such a good reminder. Yeah. Well, Judy, um, you know, as we kind of wrap up here, I wondered if you had something that you would love to tell maybe your younger self or the younger generation, just um, something that's really important to you, a nugget of wisdom. In order to have friends, you have to be a friend. Mm. Um, So to be a friend, what do you do? You know, you get together for lunch, you give them a phone call, you talk with them after church. Um, You know, it doesn't mean that you're going to have close, intimate friends, um, but you're going to have, you know, you have a lot of people that you can be friends with. And I've had people tell me, you have so many friends. I'm like, well, yes, I do (laughs) have a lot of friends because I, and part of that is because I try to keep tabs with people. And I think one of the best ways is like, my goodness, with texting. Mm. I mean, even if it's somebody you don't see very often, once a year or whatever. Um, like we have friends that we see about once every two or three years, and they had tornadoes. They from, you know, and down south, and the tornadoes are really bad. So I give them a text. Are you all okay down there? Mm. You know, and it's just little things like that that I think can really help friends. And I, um, and it's not always easy. And, mm-hmm. But you just work at it, and um, I, I, I just, I don't know, I just feel like having friends is just really, really important, and a lot of girls don't have good friends. I think no man really is an island and that we need each other, and I love when you said, well, we need each other, but in order to have the group that we need, we have to be friendly, <laughs> and we have to reach out a hand or a or a, a connection so it's not like we can sit around and pout about our lack of community and friendships if we're not out there doing it but right before we got on the recording Judy you said something that I think is another good last word and um you said we all need to know how to work hard and that there's something about hard work that um brings character to a nation and a culture a culture that works hard I can tell in this conversation that you have worked hard at connecting. You've worked hard at relationships. You've probably worked hard at your marriage. So now you don't wonder why at 80 something years old, (laughs) you don't wonder why you have a lot of friends and kind of a thriving marriage because you worked hard at this all your life. So I just want to challenge the listener to hear the nugget that I got to hear before you recorded that life takes work and that scriptures are always telling us to be strong and courageous and just like, go, go be strong and courageous, but it's not on our own. He goes before us and he goes with us. So the idea that we have to work to have the life we dream of. And I've seen you work not only to be a sweet pastor's wife, not only to be a mom to many, but just the work of connection and the work of wholeness. Mm-hmm. I love that, Judy. Thank Hard work is missing in our culture today. That's what I put down. I think that's an amen. <laughs> <clears throat>
Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's so true. And um, and we really do see that uh, in your life that you have um, not shied away from the hard work, whether it be, um, I love that you talked about friendship. That's actually a really uh, current conversation that's happening um, online right now among Christian women, because I think um, the pandemic really highlighted the need for it. And so many women, whether you are a pastor's wife or not, feel very lonely. And, um, you know, and I think that that truth of to have a friend, you must be a friend is, it's so true. Um, I remember one of my good friends, her mom told her that when she was a little girl and it changed everything for her. And so, um, I love that just, uh, instead of getting caught up in our own world, (laughs) And mm-hmm. having sometimes a pity party, you know, um, we have to just keep getting out there and uh, loving others and yeah. building relationships. So well, I I have, I think back on, you were talking about that. And I um, re- just remembered that when I was a junior in high school, our school burnt to the ground. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so the following year we went, we, everybody chose to go to another school. Well, I decided along with two other girls in my class to go to a large high school. The high school I was in had, we had 20 in my class. So it was a small school. Um, And I thought people kept saying, oh, I wouldn't go to a large school because there's too many people there and you, you won't have any friends. And, you know, they were scared to go. And I thought, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to prove to them this is this is going to happen and it's going to be fun. So I had decided, and I'm not necessarily a real outgoing person. I have to work at that. Mm. Um, but I chose to go to that school and to my class there was like 100, almost 100 people. So you have to work hard. <laughs> you have to know those people and you don't know them. And I decided that every time I saw one in the hall, I would say, hi, how are you today? Hello, you know, mm-hmm. and I would be the one to instigate that. Well, when they end of the school year and they give out all the awards to people, the seniors, I got the most friendly award. Of friendly course. <laughs> and I like, I have to laugh about that. Does like me? I get the friendliest award? <laughs> but it was, yeah. it was work. It was work, you know. Well, an introverted, precious young girl in a big world of people, I think the fact that you chose to speak, smile and speak, one of the things I've said to my kids is always be first to smile and first to speak. And Judy, you were probably first to smile and first to speak, and that made you look friendly. And that's really not rocket science, is it? No. And you think about it today because people, even you walk into a into a building or you go into the doctor's office or whatever and people are coming out and they're so down they always look like really sad sad and just smile and say hi if you know just that just a smile or a look it takes the smallest little gesture from the hello to the paper plate simple gestures really make a difference And but a whole bunch, you know, the atomic habit, the whole bunch of little simple gestures of of, Judy, you always saying hi, you've got the most friendly award and yet you're introverted. And then I love the simple little gestures of deciding to put people at your table, even if it was a paper plate last minute kind of thing. And all this has turned into a life that 
looks like it's just full of people and relationships and frankly joys. And Judy, we just bless your future ministry and we're grateful that you took time for us. Well, thank you. Thank you, Judy. Friends, I know that you have so enjoyed all of Judy's practical wisdom today. Make sure you check out the show notes for links on how to buy her book, Elbows on the Table, and learn all kinds of ways how you can practically encourage people leaning in in your home. Thanks so much for joining us today. And remember, you are a precious jewel in the eyes of Jesus. Your story matters. Let the world see you so that they may see him.